Psalm 93, and we'll start in verse number 1. The Lord reigneth. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength. Wherewith he hath girded himself, the world also is established, that it cannot be moved. Thy throne is established of old. Thou art from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord, the floods have lifted up their voices. The floods lift up their waves. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, yea, the mighty waves of the sea. Thy testimonies are very sure. Holiness becometh thine house, O Lord, forever. Let's actually hear verse number three. I actually said that wrong. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity, as we do every day, we're in your house, to come and to, to read your word and to study your word. We, even as we read this psalm, we can sense the joy that's in the psalmist's heart that he serves a God who reigns, that he's bursting with joy that the stability that he finds in serving you, the stability that is in your word, the stability that you give your children, even when it seems that there's troubles from the world on every side lifting up their voices. Your word, your reign is forever. And we give thanks for that, Lord, and we praise you and magnify your name in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 93 starts off presenting us with a statement that never gets old. The Lord reigns. The Lord reigneth. Well, there may be war overseas. The Lord reigneth. Did you hear what Putin said? The Lord reigneth. Do you hear what's going on down in uh, this state or that state? The Lord reigneth. It doesn't matter what news or what statement or what situation that comes in our life. There is nothing that we will face or that we will hear in this life that is unaffected from this statement that the Lord reigns. No matter what happens, the Lord reigneth. This is a truth that transcends time. It is said that Psalm 93 was a psalm, even though it's not in the superscription, it is a psalm that is written to be given to the sons of Korah so that all of the house of Israel could sing this psalm. Meaning that this psalm was written with the intention to be sung by the people of God, but now understand in a whole, there, there are psalms, as we've said in the times past, there's psalms of joy, psalms 100, psalms of Remembrance, like we looked at a couple weeks ago. We've seen that in Psalms 38. There's imprecatory psalms. There's uh, psalms of wisdom, like Psalms number one. But this psalm right here is a, a psalm that really speaks of the majesty of our Lord. But as he begins to lay out this beautiful song, as he 
begins to speak about the majesty of our Lord. Psalms 93 presents us with foundational truth that is bedrock to all doctrine. Meaning that before you go studying off in other doctrines and other thought processes, before you get into your soteriology, before you get into your ecclesiology, the first thing you need to understand is the Lord reigns. He is sovereign over all, even more. The Lord reigneth. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength, wherewith he hath girded himself. The world also established that it cannot be moved. A bedrock understanding is that God is sovereign. God is sovereignly in control. There is not a part of our faith, period. There is not a part of our world, period, in which he is not sovereign over, 100%. In which he does not sovereignly reign over. As the psalmist puts it in our text, the Lord reigneth. You understand that when he approached this psalm, he wasn't nervous about saying, well, I don't want anybody to get mixed up here, that the Lord is not sovereignly reigning over our salvation. I, I better put that there in some parentheses so they'll know that the Lord reigns over everything. He's sovereign over everything, but he comes up short here. He doesn't have to because the Lord reigneth. The Lord is sovereign over all. The Lord reigneth is this unmovable mountain in which all theological courses and all theological studies are rooted in. This is the first great truth that the psalmist gives for the people of God to sing. The Lord reigns. There is no doctrine that exists in truth that does not exist in this great truth. He is sovereign. He is absolutely sovereign. He absolutely reigns. He alone. Notice what he says here. The Lord reigneth. That is singular. That is, there is no other attachment to this. The Lord reigneth. Meaning that he alone possesses the undisputed right to govern all of his creation. Even more, he possesses the undisputed right to govern over all he's created, including mankind. The sovereignty of God quite simply means that God is God, not merely in name, but all the time. That's what you have to get a hold of. We oftentimes like to take our theology and put it where we want it. And we like to say, well, God is, you know, he's in control. Well, you know, God is sovereign. Well, except over here. Well, except in this matter, you know, he doesn't really function like that. No, what the psalmist says is true. The Lord reigns in all matters. That is to say, God always does as he pleases, when he pleases, where he pleases, through who he pleases, with whom he pleases. It is all God's sovereign choice. Even more, Psalms 93 is an enthronement psalm. It is one which celebrates God's sovereign kingship over all the earth. 
to be sure, God reigns over every realm of this universe. He will go on here in really verse number one and pour out into verse number two and three to set out to explain to the hearer and to the reader and to those who were singing this song. He sets out to say, sing this psalm. And as you're singing this psalm, the confession of your lips will be that God is sovereign as he moves forward, whether it's in the universe, he's sovereign, whether it's in nature, as verses 3 and 4 says, God is sovereign over history, as which verse number 2 points out, God is sovereign over salvation, God is sovereign, as verse number 4 will point out, over the eternal destinies of men. Here it is declared and undisputed and unrivaled. God is sovereignly in control. Now, the psalmist begins with this declaration, with him declaring this ultimate truth about God. And in reality, it is the first truth that is established in worship. God is in control. The Lord reigneth. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength. Wherewith he hath girded himself, the world also established that it cannot be moved. The first words, the Lord reigneth. He wants everyone to know that though Biden may be in the White House, though Putin may be in Russia, though Netanyahu in Israel, though Kim Jong-un in North Korea, and all these people may be on their physical thrones. Do not forget the Lord reigns. This is something that's very comforting to all of us as child of God, is that as children of God, is that the Lord reigns. But also, he sits upon the throne. Look, the Lord reigneth. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength. He sits upon his throne in heaven, unchallenged, he sits there. The Lord is not in heaven fretting over a coup. He's never going to have a, a brutus moment with Caesar. He's not pacing back and forth saying, oh, man, I really lucked out by being able to overcome Satan. No. He sovereignly reigns. What he tells us here in verse number one, the psalmist goes on to paint the portrait and how the Lord reigns. The Lord reigneth. He is clothed with majesty. He is clothed with strength. Wherewith he hath girded himself. Notice the second part. He is clothed with majesty. Do not overlook such a wonderful statement. To be robed in majesty. It is to say that you are in, the, in this time in which this was written. When a king was robed in majesty. It means that he would be clothed in his regal garments. Now, let me put it to you like this. You know, maybe you work at a job in which you have a uniform, and Monday through Friday you wear a uniform. And maybe on Sunday you dress up and you come to church, and that's a different kind of garment. But when you got married on your wedding day, I guarantee you probably didn't wear your church clothes and you probably didn't wear your uniform that you wear to work Monday through Friday. You probably got yourself a dress and you probably got yourself a tuxedo. It is a garment that you would have for a special occasion. 
when it says here in this text the, that he is clothed with majesty. It is a statement that says that kings in this day, whenever they would have a grand victory, whenever there would be a, a mighty conquering, whenever they would be no longer facing forces, they would put on their regal garments and step out and make an announcement that there is no more troubles on the horizon, that there is nothing to worry about. I am king and king indeed. I don't need to have on my work gear. I don't need to have on my fighting gear because everything has been put to rest. So he says, he is clothed with majesty. It shouts of his ultimate supremacy. It shouts of his ultimate reign. No one could conquer him. He is clothed in a manner in which he is not fretting about opposition. Even more, the Lord reigneth. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength, wherewith he hath girded himself. Even more, the Lord is clothed with strength. He is clothed with strength. His garments of glory is not his only array. He's not there sitting upon his throne. He's not only there reigning with his garments girded about his glory, but he even more says that the Lord is clothed with strength wherewith he hath girded himself. Meaning that he not only appears victorious, but even more, his strength is in his presentation. Now, why is this so important? I don't know how many times we've made references to this and, and that you've probably heard this in times past, that whenever a man in this time, when they wore the garments that they wore, wore if they was to go to work, they would have to gird up their garments so that they could work. If they were going to run, they would have to gird up their garments so they could even run. But here, the psalmist says that he is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength, wherewith he hath girded himself. Now grasp a hold of this. The psalmist is saying, not only is he reigning upon the throne in his garments that cry out that there is no opposition, not only does he sit upon this throne clothed with this majesty, but he is girded up with strength. What does this mean? It means when you look upon him, you can see that he is girded up with strength. What does it mean? It means that the Lord is always ready for action. He's always ready. He's always ready to move on the behalf of his children. He's always ready to come to his children's aid. It is strength. Wherewith he hath girded himself. The psalmist gives the people of God another reason to sing. Not only does the Lord reign, but he's also girded up with strength that is unparalleled, especially in, in, in any earthly kingdom. The Lord reigneth. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength. Wherewith he hath girded himself. The world also established that it cannot be moved. He said, you need to get this. Not only does he not have any opposition, not only is he 
adorned in his majesty. Not only is his strength on presentation to his children, but you need to understand even more that the world also established that it cannot be moved. God is so sovereign that the world is firmly established. Listen, not only in the physical planet, the sun, the moon, the stars, earth, but it is to say that even on the moral level, even on the social level, even on the spiritual laws, all of this has been ordained and established by God. And no matter what man tries to do, it cannot be moved. It cannot be overthrown. The Lord has put everything in its proper place and it is fixed. In the, in the days of the kings, whenever there was a, a law given forth, and if the people of the place did like, kind of like we are today, we may not have a king, but I'm sure if we took a vote tonight about presidents of times past or even of times present who passed the law that we didn't like and we couldn't do nothing about it, the first thing that came to our mind was like, boy, I hope when the next president gets here that it will be able to overthrow or overturn this decision. But what he says here is that the world also is established that it cannot be moved. So what the psalmist says is, since there's no follow-up to someone coming after the Lord to reign upon his sovereign throne, since the Lord reigns in him and him alone, it is easy to say, see, Biden cannot make a commitment to you that any law he has passed during his presidency will be a law to the end of time. No king, no president could do that. But since the Lord sovereignly reigns, he can say that his moral law, his spiritual law, his social law is established until the end of time because he will reign forever. Even more, the Lord reigns in spite of the threats of earthly powers the eternal counsel of the Lord cannot be altered by the plans of men. He follows up with that in verse number two and says, Thy throne is established of old. Thou art from everlasting. The psalmist said, while we sing about this, about how sovereign the Lord is, let's make sure that everybody who hears us sing about our sovereign Lord lets us know that we're not worshiping a new arrival. We ain't worshiping someone who's just arrived on the scene. We, this isn't because uh, the, the, on the shores that somebody brought in a, a, a false god from another country that we've never heard about and started to worship them. He said, no, let me explain to you. The one who we're worshiping, the one who we've been worshiping, he said, God's throne, the, the, the Lord's throne is established of old. Thou art from everlasting. He is saying the Lord who we worship, he is uncreated. He is without beginning. He, he so eternally existed. He is so supremely reigned uh, since the beginning of time and even before the beginning of time. He first decreed his eternal purpose before all had come to pass. Before 
earth, before time, before space, before matter. He said the Lord reigns. He's always reigned. But we also understand that though God has been the sovereign ruler since before the foundations of the world, since the foundations of the world, people have not liked it. We understand that society today opposes this thought that the Lord reigns. Society opposes the thought that this Bible brings condemnation upon them because of God's moral law. They don't like the reality of God's social law. They don't like it. And so, as the psalmist states that the Lord reigns, that he's clothed with strength, his majesty is ever before us, and that he has reigned since the beginning of time, he goes into verse number three to start telling them that nothing has changed from my day to your day. The floods have lifted up, O oh Lord. The floods have lifted up their voices. The floods lift up their waves. There's, there's, there is kind of three tenses that is given to us here. The psalmist is referencing not so much water here, but he's re referencing the complaints of people against God's sovereign reign. Even though his throne has been established of old and that he's from everlasting the complaints, you could say, the, the, whenever we hear about floods, what do we think? It's trouble. It, nobody ever says, oh, hallelujah, when we hear your basement flooded or your house is flooded or this part of Cincinnati. There's nothing joyous about it, and there's nothing joyous in the context and the manner in which the psalmist is using it. He says, the, the floods have lifted up. He's saying, the troubles have started to arise about people who are complaining about the way you have established it. As a matter of fact, not only have people begin to complain, but Lord, they have began to lift up their voices. It kind of moves from the thought process of a flood. Now, if you arrive home and you see that your basement is flooded, you're going to be upset. But if you arrive home, and you got water in your basement, and you see water still coming in, now you've moved to a new level of panic that you're trying to stop the water from coming in. But that's what he says here in, in this verse. The floods have lifted up, oh Lord. Now the floods have lifted up their voice. Not only do we have troubles on the horizon, it is flowing our way. It's coming in nonstop. And then he closes that with saying, the floods lift up their waves. It is a further emphasis that the opposition to who God is by the Gentile world, by the lost community, it's not just a mild complaint. We see it in times here, it's a mild complaint. Other times it's flowing here, and then other times it seems like an all-out tidal wave when the LBGTQYZ riots in the street. It's, it's, it's supernatural uh, it's uh, well, it's it's not supernatural, but it's it's wicked. That's what it is, and it is a full out opposition to the truth of God's words. This is what the psalmist is saying. It's bad on every side, but he goes on to say, though the floods have lifted up, 
Though the floods have lifted up their voice, though the floods have lifted up their waves, it is to say that this rebellious world in which we live in has been ruined by man's fall into sin. All of these statements, they're, they're poetic, but they speak of disorder in the nation. They speak of disorder in the present world. They speak of disorder even in our own lives as Satan tries to tempt us to rebel against the truth of God's words. Even more, the the seas symbolize that all comes against and opposes the Lord's kingdom. But though man's sinful rebellion is set against the Lord, verse number four says, the Lord still reigns. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters. Yea, than the mighty waves of the sea. Now, you notice in verse number three, he says that the floods lift up their waves. In verse number four, he says that the Lord is on high as mightier than the noise of many waters. Yea, the mighty waves of the sea. He, he takes it to a whole nother level. He says, the Lord is mightier than even the waves that even come from the, uh, from the sea. It is to speak of comfort to the child of God. In spite of wicked man, in spite of uh, sin in this world, in spite of people, uh, watch the news, in spite of people lifting up their voice against God, in, in spite of people sounding like uh, Sounding like roaring water hitting the shores of the sea. Crying out their resistance to the truth of God. And though they may be strong in some areas. And though they resist God and all of that. The Lord is still reigning. He's still on high. He's, he's stronger than that. He's, he's mightier than these waves of the sea. He's still on high. Verse 5. Thy testimonies are very sure. Holiness becometh thine house, O Lord, forever. That final stanza here in verse number five declares two characteristics about God's kingly rule. See if you see it yourself. Thy testimonies are very sure. Holiness becometh thine house, O Lord, forever. First, his kingdom is a kingdom of fixed law. I don't know if you've ever been at your job and if you work a construction job or a processing job, uh, you've, you've dealt with companies like OSHA. NIOSH, I-A-R, and all of these under wonder, other wonderful people, EPA, MSD, SD1, the sorrow goes on and on. But you know what I find and found extremely aggravating in my days of having to write responses to them? It was so aggravating that it didn't matter whether it was boiler code or 
even just the simple pitch of a ladder comes to my mind one time that they changed the rules on an extension ladder. It's irritating because when you write the letter back to them, they write you back, I'm reading the book. They write me back and say, that's actually wrong. I said, it's right here in your book. They said, well, the rules changed. You need the updated version. You can buy it online for $29.99. It's irritating that when you think you know something and you're standing on it and the rules change, it really drives you insane. The psalmist says, the great thing about the Lord is that his testimonies are very sure. His word is not ever changing. It's not turning. You're not going to have to wonder like, oh, I got to be careful if I quote this to somebody because it may not be true in a couple years. He's speaking about the stability that we have in God's word. It's good to, to have a word in which we can stand upon. I mean, think about the truths of this, the reality of this, that we can say that God's word has never been proven wrong. It will never be proven wrong. It has stood the test of time. It will stand the test of time. And though society changes, circumstances may change for each and every one of us, but God has never changed. And his word will never change. I mean, this word has been an aid and a guide to a believer through all of the ages. I mean, there is nothing in society that has ever been written that hasn't been altered outside, I mean, that, that hasn't been altered because it needed to be altered. But not God's word. Thy testimonies are very sure. Likewise, he says, holiness becometh thine house. Likewise, God is unchanging in his holiness. His holiness, his purity adorns that house until the end of time. He said, O oh Lord, forever. God is absolutely holy. God is absolutely perfect and he is absolutely unchangeable his person his ways his truths his reigns the way he reigns the way he presents himself God has always presented himself in a manner in a majesty that should bring comfort to the child of God that there is no principality that can overthrow what he says. There is no principality that can prevent him from bringing his child aid. And yet at times we doubt God because we make somebody at whatever that is, Delaware Avenue, advise us on things they know nothing about. The Lord reigns. He 
always has reigned. He always will reign supremely over all of the earth. So the psalmist says, sons of Korah, you may not even need a tune for this because these words are so sweet that it produces a tune, a music, a, a song of joy in my heart. Sinful resistance of men cannot overthrow God's promises. They cannot rise up against God and overcome him. The waters of a raging sea cannot uh, force him to be away. Nothing can succeed. He alone reigns. Holiness becometh of thine house, O Lord, forever. Therefore, we trust in the Lord who reigns forever. Romans 8, 28, right? And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are called according to his purpose. That, that's truly the beauty that we see in this psalm. What would Romans 8.28 be to us if the Lord wasn't sovereign over everything? What would it mean to us at all? And Paul even states it there in that first three words of that. Romans 8.28, right? And we know. And we know what? And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Why? How do we know such a thing? Because he sovereignly reigns. Because he sovereignly sits upon the throne. Nothing is going to withhold God taking all of the things that are happening in our life and bringing forth something good in it. The Lord reigns. Our text does not say here that man reigns. It does not say that Satan reigns. It doesn't say that foreign powers reign. It doesn't say that circumstances reign, situa situations reign, your trouble reigns, your employer reigns. Nope. Put all of that aside. It says the Lord reigns. Romans 8.28 works because our hand, our lives are in the hands of the Lord who reigns in all circumstances. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we are comforted by these five verses. That the God in whom we serve has never been uprooted. He's never been pushed aside. No one has ever nipped at your heels. No one has ever troubled your throne. Yet you have sovereignly in your majesty adorned with strength and valor have reigned over everything. You have sovereignly moved on behalf of your children no one can oppose, to, uh, oppose you in all that you do. Lord, this would be the greatest comfort to the child of God's heart. We can rest in this. And that if you were here today standing before us, even with our visible eyes, you would give us your word that we have before us even this very evening. Your word is true forever. Your testimonies are true forever. Lord, help us to anchor in your word as we bow before your throne and reign over all of this universe. We give thanks to you for all that you've done. And may we magnify your name. May we exalt your name for the 
king that you are, not the king who this fallen world has made you to be, to even have the boldness to lift up their voice against your throne should cause us to tremble. We give thanks to you for all that you've done in Jesus' name. Amen.